Catch the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Hello and welcome to Catch the Fire. I'm Susie McKenzie, of course, here with the amazing Lisa Flood. And we are excited to be with you on Catch the Fire today. Lisa, Lisa, we talk about fire moments, spreading it, catching it, getting warmed by it, being in it. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of in it this week and experienced the fire of Our Lady. And, And here's what happened. You know, Susie, sometimes in family life, Tough things happen. Uh, Feelings get hurt. Situations need to be resolved. Well, there was a little situation that it didn't get resolved quickly enough for my taste. And it was taken a couple of days and I was not pleased. So I woke up and I thought, okay, I'm taking this right to Our Lady this morning. And I went into my kitchen and I started playing the Magnificat song, Holy is His Name. And I just kept, Alexa, play it again. Alexa, play it again. I just invited Our Lady into the situation. Well, she moved quickly because within about 30 minutes, the conversation that needed to take place within my home did. And there was grace. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Now let's all move forward. And I couldn't do anything to make it happen. But praying to her and putting the difficult situation in her hands just was exactly what needed to take place. The fire of Our Lady. I'm not kidding. She moves mountains. She did. And Alexa gave her the task. Alexa put her to work. (laughs) Amen. What happened to you this week? Well, Lisa, you know, mine was more Holy Spirit oriented, but of course the Holy Spirit's the spouse of Our Lady. So um, they go together. I think they go together. (laughs) You know, we go together. Like, you know, what's that song? Okay. Um, Mine was, (sighs) there's, this work that I do that I'm constantly praying about whether or not I still need to be doing it. And um, this time the Holy Spirit like basically hit me with a two by four. And um, the minute I walked into a room with someone and that person literally made a beeline for me and said, so what about this? And was interested. And I thought, okay, Lord, I guess this means I'm supposed to still be doing this because I didn't expect this, not even close. It wasn't even in my realm of possibility, on my radar, nothing. And it just showed me that when we go to him and ask for, hey, I need to know, like almost stomping my feet sometimes, I need to know. And he, what he did was he ignited the fire in me of, okay, keep doing it, Susie. Keep coming to me and asking. I will show you one way or the other. You know? I think you got your answer. <laughs> it did. I got this one pretty fast. And, you know, sometimes I don't like the answers. But um, this time it was like, okay, okay, we're cool. You know? And we're cool. Amen. And, and the Holy Spirit and Our Lady both showed up in big ways for both of us. Well, this they week. did. And it's just so awesome. Our faith is constantly on the move, Lisa. It is constantly on the move. And Susie, now, um, as we really want to share, you and I discussed this a few minutes ago, we really want to be hopeful and joyful as we discuss something that we all have to face. What do we do when someone that we love dies <clears throat> and the power? of having masses said for them. Let's talk about that. That's a, that is so important. And I think so many of our generation um, just may not realize the significance and the great power of masses for our loved ones. Well, I think we don't. And um, 
I was telling you on the phone, you know, I think it was the curé of ours, St. John Vianney, who said that, you know, we could sooner live without the sun than we could without the mass. And it, like, it's that profound. Like, we, we can't know the depth, the breadth, the height, you know, the width, the length of the impact of the mass. And we do believe in praying for souls after they've left this earth. Uh, yes, and we you are know? supposed to be full of hope. And trusting in God's mercy and um, despair is not from God, right? Well, it isn't. And that's why we really want to frame this in hope because it's hope. That's what our faith is supposed to be about. It doesn't mean we won't feel the grief. We will feel the grief and the sadness. But the underlying or the foundation of that sadness and that grief is hope. And so the Mass, having Mass is said for those who have left us, I believe brings hope to the survivors. Yes, and I have um, a really good friend who is not married, and she she does not have children. And she told me that she she wrote it in her will that she is asking for Gregorian specifically for Gregorian masses to be said for her upon her death. So let's talk for a minute about okay. Gregorian well, masses. You tell us what that is. Okay. Well, basically, it's you ask for um, Gregorian masses thirty days of masses said consecutively for someone not long after they die, as soon as, as soon as you can, after they die, asking for their souls to be, um, you know, to move through purgatory. And it is, it is very, a very hopeful thing to have Gregorian masses said for someone. Wow. And you see, and it's funny, Lisa, because I knew about the 30 days, I didn't know it was called Gregorian masses. And I think that is beautiful. I, I, I'm going to put that in my will. I, I, I really will. I Why mean, not? And I know that my children's godmother said she actually has put in her will to have masses said instead of flowers. Like, And she loves flowers. She is a gardener. And she said, no, if you want to send flowers, don't get a mass said. But Susie, it's so easy. Um, it's so easy to have a mass said for someone. And honestly, we don't have to wait till they die. I mean, you can go to your parish and... You know, I think usually you would give maybe what a five dollar donation. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's even necessary much. to pay, but you, you normally you would give a little donation and ask for a mass to be said for someone. And even in the bulletin, you know, they'll say um, if they're living or deceased, they'll they'll have a little mm-hmm. L by it. Yes, and you don't have to wait till people die to pray for them and have masses said for them. That's a great gift. Well, it is because we believe as Catholics that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. And the word mass comes from the Latin misa, which means to dismiss, to go out. So when we are having a mass said for someone, it not only benefits that person, but it benefits everyone who attends because they are receiving that charge to go out and spread the gospel. And they're all brought into that unity in the church. To me, it's just a beautiful thing, Lisa. It, it really is. And it it is um, the most powerful prayer that we can pray is is offering the mass. And, you know, Susie, you and I both love to go to daily masses as, as often as we can. And usually when I'm driving to mass, I, like I'll, I'll say a prayer. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to offer this mass for a special intention. And sometimes he'll really move my heart to what he's asking me to pray for or who to offer it for. Right. And to think that when we can offer these masses for the deceased, <sighs> Wow. It helps them. They, We believe in purgatory that they cannot help themselves. We can help them. The mass, the greatest form of prayer, the highest form of worship can be done for them. You benefit here on earth, the soul benefits from it. 
Amen, sister. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Catch the Fire. I went to church and just sat there and listened. I really didn't absorb anything. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I had this sin that I carried in my heart for a long time, and I told myself for many, many years that the Lord wouldn't forgive me for this. When, when Father in the confessional says, your sins are forgiven, there truly is a, a feeling of, of weight lifted off. I don't care if it's two or three little sins that you're carrying, there's a feeling of I can breathe deeply again. I feel pure inside. And I'm, and I'm ready to come to Mass. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are joined today by Father Dave Karen, the vicar of the Office of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Welcome to Catch the Fire, Father Dave. Thank you for having me. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Let's begin with the word evangelization. We hear that word thrown around a lot. What are we really talking about? Well, we say, okay, Catholics, we're called to evangelize. What does that mean? It means bringing the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere and to do it with joy. That's what evangelization is. It's about focusing in on the Lord Jesus and preaching and teaching Him and speaking about Him everywhere and doing it with joy. That's really what evangeliz- evangelization is in a nutshell. So we're not supposed to have sour looks on our faces when we're trying to talk about the faith, are we? <laughs> Well, Pope Francis actually says, you know, why do some Catholics always look like they're going to or from a funeral? <laughs> he said it's not supposed to be that way. So, yes, and, it's, and, and, and joy is not happiness. Happiness can be saccharine sweet. Joy is an interior disposition because we know the Lord. And so it's a very different thing to just be, you know, the world says, the culture says, oh, come on, be happy. No, joy is something else. Joy comes from deep within, and it's about having a relationship with Jesus. So as Catholics, we're supposed to get out there and and talk about Jesus? Isn't that shocking? And to tell you the truth, a lot of Catholics find this very difficult. And in fact, some Catholics, and I know I've heard myself say this in the past, we often say to each other, um, say to family members, there's two things we don't talk about. We don't talk about religion, and we don't talk about politics. And um, and I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted by the politics. I think I what we need to do is to reclaim a way and figure out a way to speak appropriately about our faith. Yes, so Catholics need to find a way to get out there, take some risk-taking, getting around awkwardness, but to speak about the Lord appropriately, not coercively, not judgmentally, but always through a lens of invitation to other people. I know we're doing some new things in our archdiocese, maybe reaching out in a new way. What are some new um, avenues that we're pursuing in New Orleans to, to call Catholics back or call others to take a look at the Catholic Church for the first time? First of all, 
new evangelization really is inwardly focused to the people that continue to go to church. So new evangelization, as Pope Emeritus Benedict said, is about the same gospel truths, but bringing new passion, new ardor to them. In other words, so how do we make sure that those that are in the pews already, our wonderful Catholic brothers and sisters that are going to church every Sunday, how do we make sure that we provide them the best, you know, the best access to the sacraments, to the Mass, and all seven sacraments, and then the best formation, best catechesis? And so then we can equip them to be evangelizers, to go and evangelize others. That's the first direction. So it's always steeped in prayer. We always start with prayer, focus on the Lord, because otherwise we might think that these strategies are really only successful if they are because of us. It's about the Lord. So that's the first thing. So new evangelization is inwardly turned, then evangelization is outwardly turned. And sadly, most Catholics, so two-thirds of Catholics, are not going to church in the United States. Um, Pew Institute research shows that. The CARA research, which is the bishop's research arm, all are saying about two-thirds are not crossing the threshold of our churches. So we need to figure out new ways to go outside of the church and then introduce them to the Lord or reintroduce them and to begin a conversation. And in that conversation, invite them back. So it's a gentle invitation, but it's going where people gather and there figuring out new strategies, steeped in prayer, that can then invite people back. Gentle engagement. I, I kind of think we need to hit the coffee houses. <laughs> coffee houses. Well, you know, it's interesting. I just sent a letter out to pastors um, about how to evangelize through your fish fry. And so, again, people might think, well, that's kind of crazy, but I asked the question, you know, on Fridays in uh, the larger New Orleans, Louisiana area, fish fries are the thing, you know, and if you have good fish, people are going to come for your fish, whether they're Catholic or not. And I asked, what are you putting in with the fish that people take home? A lot of places have drive throughs now, or you can order the fish and pick it up, take it home. I said, what do you put in with the fish that goes home that says something about your parish, your church. Um, same thing on the tables. Not just Catholics come to eat the fish, but how do we use these simple little opportunities as a way to gently engage people about why we do what we do? And it's, of course, focusing on the Lord, one of the ways. There's something that you're doing or calling for with festivals. We're a festival kind of uh, region, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. So what we, we're, we're encouraging all parishes to um, identify the festivals that are in their area um, and then to go and get a booth and set up a booth. And there at the booth, gently engage people that are walking by. You know, it's great when either on the way from parking your car to the festival or maybe even inside the grounds, if you can, in not only festivals, but also farmers markets, you know, they, what you can do is set up a little table, a booth, a tent, and just engage people. You know, hey, we're, you know, we're St. Rita's, we're five miles down the road, or, you know, um, you know, can we stop and say a prayer with you? Or is there something weighing on your mind that we could bring to prayer? Or do you want to learn something about the Catholic faith, and then you give them a little giveaway. It might be a little New Testament, or it might be a, a tract about your church, your parish, um, or about some program. So how do we use all these opportunities that are outside of the building to engage that? Actually, one parish here in the Archdiocese sets a, ta a table in our tent up on Saturday mornings and engage the people that walk by, and there are lots of them, to the nearest coffee shop in the morning. And what they also do is they serve doggy treats. 
<laughs> as they're walking their dog. And you know what? It, it might sound kind of crazy, but if you can stop and if, you, if you're good to my dog, you might be good to me. So they tend to stop to be engaged. Chances are you can then invite them into a conversation about the Lord, about the Church. It's really working. It sounds strange, but it's working. Simple little strategies to engage people. This is reminding me, um, last year at Christmas time, we were at um, the Roosevelt Hotel to see the Christmas you know, decorations, and we were um, going to lunch at Dominica, and we ran into a wonderful priest from the Archdiocese of Baton Rouge, and he was wearing his collar. He was drinking a cup of coffee. He was working on his Christmas homily, and he told us, he said, next year, he said, I'm coming back, and I'm going to offer to hear confessions in the coffee shop at the Roosevelt Hotel. How awesome is wow. that? Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is You know, the, the difficulty is sometimes owners don't always appreciate all that. I mean, I, I guess if you do it sort of clandestinely, it's fine. Um, we, we did something similar here, but uh, in a different vein. We encourage choirs to go out to public spaces during Advent and do Christmas flash mobs. But to sing, love it. Oh, that's awesome. To sing, to sing religious Christmas carols. And so why do that? Well, for some people, that will be the only time in the season where they hear the name Jesus. So it's not going to sing about Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, however cute that might be for Christmas. But the issue is go and sing religious songs because then people will stop and listen. And then, you know, once you're done singing, someone might come up to you and say, well, who are you that you're singing here in this mall or you're singing out in this public space? No, we belong to St. Dominic's or we belong to, you know, to St. Joseph's. And here's a little card with our mass schedule on it. You're always welcome to come to church with us. We're always welcome. So it's invitational, going where people are and meeting them where they are to introduce them to the Lord. Simple little strategies like Father, you know, having coffee, a ministry of presence, and then possibly being able to hear confession someplace. I think that's a great opportunity if that can happen. You know, Father, you've mentioned, I wrote down two words you've said repeatedly, and it's invitation and gently. The whole idea of inviting really removes barriers, I think, because I think we many people tend to think of evangelization as something that's kind of a, um, well, more fraternal correction than invitation. Would you right. speak a little bit about that? Sure. I, and exactly what Pope Francis and the other Holy Fathers that have been speaking about evangelization before him have focused in on, since they're saying, you know, it can't be judgmental. It can't be coercive. Um, we've got to meet people where they are, and it's only after engagement with them, if we can engage them in conversation, we can tell them who we are. First of all, we can break down any of those barriers. We have the opportunity to do that. And so, um, and you're right, some people when they hear the word evangelization, they think of someone out on the street corner pounding their Bible. And, you know, some some churches, I guess, do that, but that's not what we're inviting people to. We're just saying, how do we accompany people? That's what Pope Francis is saying. It's a sort of spirituality of accompaniment. We go and meet them where they are. So it's, and I do that as a sinner, right? Each of us is a sinner. How do we go and engage another person who is also a sinner, and then invite them to something higher? So actually, one theologian actually described the Eucharist, and this is really interesting, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that something? One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. So it's about how do we go and we meet another 
who's made in the image and likeness of God, who may be away from the Church or may not even know the Lord, because a lot of the millennials, a lot of the nuns of our generation and society don't even know the Lord and His Church. It's a simple engagement, and if you're if you're judgmental, if you're coercion, right away the wall goes up. The stereotype begins to dig in, gets in the way. How do we find people and gently engage them and move them to become an inquirer? I'm remembering, Susie, you did not know I was going to say this, but I remember years ago I had come back to the church, and Susie and I were at the same parish, and I was going to daily mass with—then um, it was my, my youngest was a baby, and the other kids were in school— and this cute little perky, sweet little lady walked up to me and said, I- I've been seeing you here, but I don't know you. I feel like we should know each other. And she introduced herself to me. And I remember how moved I was by that, how sweet it was of her to go out of her way and say, hey, I know you're new here. And and this is who I am. I just wanted to meet you. That is something you don't remember that, do you, Susie? Or do you remember? I have no memory of that. <laughs> well, I remember it, and it impacted me. But, Father, let's talk about the importance of us as Catholics when we're at Mass. We should keep our eyes open for those people who maybe don't look like somebody we've seen all the time or maybe right. even look a little bit uncomfortable hanging out in the back. We do, and to welcome them. So it's not only introducing ourselves, which is extremely important. You're right, but it's how do we welcome them? And so they may be there for the first time. Or, uh, you know, maybe it's been a long time since they've been there. How do we do that? And maybe even for people who you, you might introduce yourself as you're coming into church and you find out they're visiting or they're new, you might even say, oh, well, come and sit with us, you know? Yes. And if they happen mm-hmm. to be not Catholic, you can say, come and sit with us and we'll, sh- we'll, we'll tell you when to stand, when to kneel, when to sit. Because some people are actually afraid of the choreography. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so true. People are, yeah, and, and they're, they're afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. Well, who of us hasn't been in that kind of a situation in other contexts? So how do we mentor people? That's really a big piece of this. So you're right. How do we do that? And, you know, we have Easter. And we send a letter home to all of our pastors and priests and encouraging them to have a pew card in the pews with pencils. And as part of their announcements after communion, after the closing collect of the Mass, to invite people they, if they're visiting or they're new to the area or they're coming back and they want to learn more about the parish, fill out the pew card and give it to an usher or a greeter, put it in the basket. And then on by Easter Tuesday at the latest Somebody has to call them to engage them to say, you want to learn more about the parish? You want to learn about the program? I'd be happy to meet with you. I'd be happy to tell you about our program. Let's get together. Come, let's make an appointment. We would, we'd love to have you. So actually, a couple of years ago, one parish in the Archdiocese found that they received 75 new parishioners after doing this on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. 75. That's great. So it's a great opportunity. Same thing at Christmas. Another nice time to do it is Mother's Day, because often people go to church on Mother's Day because when mom is happy, everybody's happy, you know what I'm saying? So so how do we use those opportunities to gently, not scold, not to cajole, um, not to embarrass, but to welcome people into something higher for the Lord? 
You know, we had talked about pew cards when we were together a few weeks ago, Father Dave, and I was so fascinated by that. And it sounds like Easter's a great time because so many people show up when they haven't been to Mass, but they'll go on Easter, right? And so you're, right. you have a bigger audience, um, which it seems like an awesome idea. You know, you said the phrase spirituality of accompaniment. I think that is absolutely beautiful, that we are to accompany people and bring them along as opposed to maybe just, you know, um, pounding them. Um, And I don't want to keep going back to that because I don't think a lot of people pound so much as maybe pull back and don't offer that accompaniment to other people. And I think you're right. I mean, I think some people have an idea of what Catholics are in their head and, um, and, you know, new people are people that are unengaged or unchurched. And so, uh, and I don't think we're all of what they perceive us to be. But I think, it, first of all, once you exchange names and you, uh, it's one human talking to another human, again, it, you know, a lot of the barriers break down. So how do we use those human experiences to bring us together? And to realize no one's perfect. Huh? If you think about it, I, I think, did we say in our conversation last time that um, maybe all of our churches should have a big sign on the front lawn that says, perfect people not found here. <laughs> Father right? Dave, I mean, it's true. It is, right? it is so true. And that is the perfect place for us to end our time with you. Father Dave, Karen, thank you so much for joining us on Catch the Fire. We'll, we'll have you back again soon. God bless you, and thanks for your ministry in setting the earth on fire, as Jesus told us to in Luke, and the Holy Spirit's alive because of you all. So thank you. God bless you. Love when we have Father Dave on. It always gets me excited because you and I are both Catholics who've come home, and it always brings up so many memories about coming back, the leaving, the coming back, and now the call to move forward and say to our friends who have left, come home or our friends who maybe aren't excited about it say, let's get excited together. Well, it's true. And to go back to what you said happened between you and I, I have to add this little funny story. See, I don't remember going up to you and saying that, but I remember seeing you with your youngest who was a baby. And at the time, he had a head full of blonde hair. Yes. And he brought his blanket to mass. He did. And you had the cutest jean skirt and short cowboy boots on (laughs) at every mass. And I was thinking, she's got style. But I don't remember approaching you. But you see, God, look at the plan he had. You never know what's going to happen if you if you engage, like Father Karen said. You know, he said, engage in that spirituality of accompaniment. You never know where it's going to lead. Well, yes. And I want to go back to the first thing he said. We need to be a people of joy, right? And yes. we, we're always saying that on Catch the Fire and on Catholic Community Radio as a whole. We're a people of hope and we're a people of joy. Well, we are. We are. We absolutely are. And I'm just thrilled he was on. And we're going to take that that excitement and bring it into like, okay, spark it up, Lisa. Like, we love to talk about our sparks because we feel like this is like something that just the zest of life, the things that happen in life that make us happy. And we love to share it. Well, I think St. Thomas Aquinas would like my spark because oh. it involves red wine this oh, week. Well, hello. <laughs> okay. It, um, one of my new favorites, um, a friend served it. It is... Robert Mondavi, Cabernet, aged in bourbon barrels. Have you ever had it? It's delicious. Well, I think I want, I know I've had aged in bourbon barrels. I'm not sure if I had Robert Mondavi, but um, I'm sure it's good. Tell me about it. It's it's very good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, You're enjoying it. (laughs) What about you, Susie? What sparked you? I don't know. We're going (laughs) to... 
This is hilarious because uh, mine's about alcohol too. <laughs> but <laughs> it's about a book and a Facebook page called Drinking with the Saints. Oh, that's fun. I've seen that. Oh my gosh. I want to get the book. I, I've referred so many people to like the page. I think we owe it to ourselves to know about the different inventions and the the things that the saints have done, the monks throughout the years, the monasteries that have supported themselves. And yes, I mean, they made things like mead and different alcohol, alcoholic beverages, if you will. I just think it's fun because it shows that our faith goes everywhere, Lisa. And that it does. That it does. So we don't have to just drink with earthly people. We can drink with the saints too. Can't I love we? it. Okay. Well, um, this is so exciting. We're so glad we had Father Dave Karen on and we're glad you were with us too. Go out there and spread that fire. Be with us next time on Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.